Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... Boom, we're live. Welcome, how's the champions? Future friends, drop in your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we get stuck into the Champions League round of 16 second legs. With us in the House of Champions today, we got the usual suspects, my co-hosts, of course, Nigel Rio Coker and Michael Hood. Golf clap for you boys, golf clap for you boys. And guess what? We got a special guest with us. Oh yes, Alexis Guerreros is in the house today. Vamos. Como esta todo mi gente, como estamos Nigel Rio Imagine I only did it in Spanish. <laughs> I just didn't tell you guys, I just went all Spanish. <laughs> so most of you out there obviously know Alexis from the Cooligans. He is now a big part of the CBS Sports family. And uh, we've got a big date coming up, Alexis. Uh, April right. 11th, right? Tell us what's going on. That's right. That is the day before my wife's birthday. And that means that her birthday is not important this year <laughs> because our show is premiering. Our first episode will be on April 11th. It's absolutely incredible. You guys got to check out Morning Footy 7 and 9. It's going to be wild. Who's on the show? Uh, me. And that's all you really need to know. I mean, <laughs> they brought out the stars, you know. Uh, no, we've got a great cast. Uh, Susanna Collins. Uh, you guys got to know her if you know anything about MLS. Uh, absolute star. Nico Cantor, whose voice is all over the place. And my homie, the one, the only, Stanky Leg himself, Charlie <laughs> Davies. Let's go. Oh, yeah, it's a pretty good group, man. You oh, must be no. excited. I'll tell you what. I bet you're not excited <laughs> about those early wake-up calls, though, right? Nah, I don't understand. Why Why got to be a morning show? There's no need for it, bro. Have you heard of early afternoon show? It's the same thing. It's just at a reasonable time, bro. Dude, we're so excited about it. I know, Mike, you're pretty excited about actually having a morning show as well for soccer in uh, this country, right? Yeah, there's such a need for it. And I love the blend and the balance of the cast. It was good to see all of you guys on the Champions League. Was it the, the halftime when you guys promoted and announced the show? But a lot of familiar faces on there. Nigel Rio Coker, you're used to waking up at uh, five o'clock in the morning, but for other reasons, when you're obviously getting and uh, taking care of the children, right? You'll be able to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After I do the school run, mate. So it kind of works coincided side by side, mate. So I could tune in then. 
<laughs> so everybody there, you can see it right now. Starting April 11th, Alexis will be on with the crew. Really looking forward to it. It's morning footy. The Galazzo Network. We cannot wait for it to kick off. There's a lot more content coming your way as well from the network. And to be able to watch soccer 24-7, we would never have been able to dream about something like this uh, no, many years ago. This is huge. For me, it's, you know, growing up in this country, we had to go find alternative media. You know, in order to see anything that re revolved around soccer, especially in the morning, or we had a we had to listen to people with your accent or Nigel's accent. Not anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? America done stepped it up. Oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. I have to go We're in there. Calling it soccer. <laughs> for two hours. Doesn't matter. Accent doesn't play a part. It's just all about the people that are talking. That's what matters the most. All right. That's beautiful. And let's not let's not forget the Germans and the French have their twenty four hour shows as well with football all the time mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, that's true. But it's finally now in America. And I feel like the most important part isn't yeah. just that someone's willing to invest in it. I think the important part is that the fan base is there now, where 10 years ago, that wasn't mm. the case. It was a niche thing. As the World Cup is coming in 2026, this sport right. is growing in leaps and bounds, and I get to be a part of that. I'm so excited. Are you going to call out the suburban fan base? Or are oh, you going to keep doing the su suburb players? What are we going to do? Are we going to be real football? Or are we going to keep, <laughs> are we gonna keep th encouraging? Hold oh, no, on, wait, let me finish. Don't be yeah. encouraging this entanglement that we're seeing in U.S. soccer and all that, mate. So, oh, boy. I'm well, going to be watching. Just, be watching. There's multiple parts. One, Nigel, you might, you got to Google me, bro. I'm from Newark, all right? I do everything for the streets, <laughs> not the suburbs. You feel me? Uh, right. I keep it. I, I wore a fresh pair of, all of Air Force Ones with, with Patrick Ewing socks on the Champions League <laughs> show. So you know your boy came ready. I'm, I'm from the streets. I'm going to keep it that. And also, I love drama, dude. I'm from Newark, New Jersey, bro. You got one family threatening another one via text, calling their boss? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's what I'm here for, bro. <laughs> Alex, Alexis, Alexis, quick question. Quick question for me. Just what are you looking forward to most on that first show? You know, we're all in the industry. You only get one first show. For you personally, what can viewers expect and what are you looking forward to? That's a great, that's a great question. Um, I, I'm looking for the same thing that I look for when we appeared on the Champions League show. You know, I was very cognizant of the fact that they're Champions League and they, they're the flagship show of this network. But I wanted to show them like, hey, this isn't. You're saying an FA Cup match versus some semi-pros, you feel me? We deserve to be here. So as soon as I heard a joke from Jamie Carragher, I was like, watch me clap back. Your boy's a comedian. He's prepared. You know what I mean? I want to let the world know. And that's exactly what I want the world to see on this first episode is what the fans of Cooligans have seen for so many years, what the fans of, of the times that I've been able to share the stage or, or a microphone with Ian or some of the other folks. I've, we've done shows with you, Mike. The, the times yeah. that people have heard like, oh, wow you know, funny, but also knows the sport and has a great cast. And these are people that played in America that are from America and know the sport just as much as anybody else and can banter just like anyone else. That's what I want the world to see. So that moment where I know I get that joke off that people are like, whoa, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to you actually making it on time for your first show because that is an early call time for Bro, you, man. I might be sleeping in the studio, you feel me? <laughs> <laughs> Wake up, Alexis. All right, let's get into it. We've got Alexis for our first segment here. we got to get into the Champions League. Of course, it was Manchester City with an emphatic victory over Leipzig. Get your comments quickly on this one. Erling Haaland stole the show pretty much, Yeah, right? and it's a real shame Leipzig didn't show up. Was the bus stuck somewhere? What happened, bro? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about whether they had a chance or not, and they just got completely derailed bro Erling Holland, man just when you think like defenders have got him figured out he shows you like nah my big question with him is how come he's not in this gear all the time why doesn't he get in the fifth gear all 
the time, bro. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, he just needs to jump into that gear. That's the problem. When it comes to the Champions League, you need Man City to jump into it. Mike, what you got for me? Because this was a cracking game. Obviously, Erling Haaland did steal the show. Manchester City popped off pretty early, and you knew that Leipzig just simply were not at the races. Yeah, this was coming for Leipzig. No and Kunku, which is a big miss in this game. But Alexis, question for you before I go deep into the cracks with this one. Given that Manchester City and Arsenal are in the Premier League, when you look at the City team and you see them win 7-0, is there any way of stopping them? Yeah, continuing to be five points ahead of them. If they, <laughs> if, they, if we win out, they don't win that league. So it's on us. It got nothing to do with what City can or can't do. Goal differential ain't going to save you, Papa. You five points behind us. Go on, Mike. Ah, that's fair. That's fair. Spoken like a true Arsenal fan. I know you and I have gone back and forth on Twitter. You absolutely ripped me to shreds after the 7-Up game at Anfield. But when I watched this game, in the first, say, 10 minutes, I thought Leipzig, they were daring. Both fullbacks getting up, Heinrichs and Rahm being daring to get up on the flank, sending crosses in. I thought Marco Rosa got it completely wrong with his lineup. How do you not start Andre Silva? They got exposed with that. Silva, he was threatening against Manchester City in the first leg, on the bench, in the second leg. He goes with Timo Werner. I, I, I want to see how much Timo Werner, does he have a tape on Marco Rosa to get that start? Because you have to go with Andre Silva. I thought he went wrong with Campbell at the attacking mid. Conservative, and it cost them because RB Leipzig, they play out of the back no matter what. And when you go to the Etihad, you have to have a plan B. They didn't, and goals started shipping in. Once that first goal went in, the game was done. NRC, let's get to you because Manchester City, we have certainly criticized recently. We've obviously been questioning where they will be. Could Leipzig potentially cause them problems? But today they made it look pretty easy. They definitely made it look easy. I mean, take nothing from Man City. That was a fantastic performance. I haven't seen a performance of that quality from them for a long time. But again, at the same time, when I was watching that game overall, Ian, I looked at that and I can describe that game as we've heard in football before. Men versus boys. Man City played like men. Leipzig played like boys and the boys that they are. They, for me, were pressing individually. They didn't really go collectively. We see how important Nkuku is to this team. He is so important to them. Without Nkuku, they've got nothing else. I'm sorry about that, but that's the reality of it. And also, just to get back at you, Ian, we've kind of learned now there's only one damn team in Germany and they're called Bayern <laughs> Munich. Everyone else can go and lay down somewhere else because there's only one team to talk about from Germany. Bayern Munich. Leipzig, yep. for me, should be absolutely embarrassed and disappointed. That game there was there for the taking. And when you watch that back, that game again, Manchester City showed that they were the team that wanted to win that game more than Leipzig. 1-1. 1-1. Leipzig had a great chance to really do something special. And they just looked like they were not interested. And they didn't want to do it. And they just literally, they were a goal for part. I think the experience shows for Manchester City, the quality and caliber of players that they have shows for Manchester City. And when you look at Leipzig, it's that whole thing about project again. There's only so long you can do and get a collective bunch of young players that turn out to be stars and you sell them on. That only yep. lasts for a certain time. The Fair world point. of football is transatlantic. There's so many clubs competing and doing things and getting some of these young players from all over the world. You have to have a plan B, like Michael said, and they didn't even have a plan B in a sense of tactics-wise. I think it was an absolute embarrassment for Leipzig. And when you look back at that game, again, taking nothing away from Manchester City, it kind of makes it seem why people call for this so-called Super League when you get clubs like Leipzig getting in a situation like that and performing like that. 
Yeah, I listen, I hear you. And I think at the end of the day, it does come down to the business project or model that they actually have. Leipzig, what is their goal here? Is their goal here just to be a successful business and continue to make money off this? Or is their goal actually to lift the trophy? Because if they want to win the Champions League, you've absolutely got to make sure that you commit to keeping your players, your best players. If you don't do that and you continue to sell these players, these are the results you're going to get at the end of these knockout stage games. They did okay in that first leg. They made us a bit exciting for the second leg, thinking, well, maybe they could get it done. But Manchester City clearly showing that they're in a different league of their own. So City now obviously have that victory behind them now. Alexis, do they now have to be a team that you've got to worry about going forward? Because that is a performance against a Leipzig side that could cause problems. But this is a City side now after that performance that teams really have to take seriously being a contender to win it all. Yeah, maybe. But until it's sustained, I mean, you never know who you who's showing up, who's getting off that bus. You know, you saw it in the first match. They looked like they they couldn't string that together. What you saw today, today they were on one. When they when they switch it on, and like I said, when Erling Holland gets in that top gear, there's no one that can stand in his way. Yeah, it's really up to him. Are you motivated to be that player game in and game out? Yeah, no doubt about Maybe it. Maybe his father should come to every match. I, I understand, but I just think for me, Leipzig made it too easy. Like Leipzig did not yep. make it competitive. All mm. we talk about uh, defenders. I think for me, you look at that performance. Kim is the best centre-back in world football. Kim at Napoli is the best centre-back in world football. I can't see Kim letting that occur to him or being in a team like that and taking that kind of drumming. And again, it goes to the whole men versus boys. I didn't see no characters, no angry players, no players saying after 3-0, like trying to really put in an effort. Even if you're not going to get the ball, just smash somebody or something. You know, just yeah. show a bit of passion. There wasn't that in Leipzig. And like you said, Ian, at the start, Leipzig is a selling club. It's only going to get you so far. If you have no commitment to build a foundation and to build a long-term goal of getting the balance of developing players, selling some, but wanting to keep some for the long-term to be legends at your club, it's never going to work. You're only going to get a certain period. But again, credit to Haaland as well. I believe he broke Wayne Rooney's record in five years in the Champions League uh, of the amount of goals he scored and highest goal scoring Man City already. Like the kid's on fire. Yeah, I mean, the statistics ringing out about Erling Haaland here. Erling Haaland, Lionel Messi, Luis Adriano, the Champions League, has only three players in its history to score five goals in a single match. Erling has scored more goals versus Leipzig tonight, five goals. than Darwin Nunes, Lionel Messi, both with four, Karim Benzema, Song Min Hong, Song Hung Min, and uh, Kai Havertz, who all have two in the Champions League this season alone. That was his 10th goal in the Champions League, which equals his single-season Champions League record. And there's more to come from this guy. Erling Haaland has scored five hat-tricks for Manchester the city in all competitions this season three more than any other player in Europe's big five leagues Mike real quickly um, obviously the comments coming from Pep Guardiola he got stuck into Erlen Haaland and his uh, presser previously but he also got stuck into Kevin De Bruyne about keeping things simple I thought Kevin De Bruyne was sensational today and he wrapped up with a beautiful goal in the end Kevin De Bruyne is a consummate professional. He's also a genius on the field. He's a player who's had to adapt his game. Remember a year ago, he was the leading goal scorer for Manchester City in this competition and really the star man for this team. When you have a player come in like Erlen Holland and your manager tells you to change how you play, he's still leading the Premier League in assists with 13. So good on him for reacting to what the manager says and standing up and being accounted for in this match. You think there's more to come from Erling Haaland, though, right? Because we're talking about his development uh, privately yeah. off air. Like, you think there's more to come from him? This guy doesn't even know how to use his body yet, bro. He doesn't. I, he, I, I said he's like a great Dane. Has no idea how big he is. <laughs> like, bro, he's just bumping into stuff. Once this guy learns to really. I mean, you know that moment when 
that moment when you're not the fast young striker anymore and you have to learn to become a little wily and a bit more veteran and know exactly where to stand when he really gets that in his game he's going to be even more dangerous which is kind of scary yeah no doubt about it all right hey alexis we're going to take a quick break and we're going to let you go uh because i know you've been awake for about what 55 60 hours <laughs> something, like that, something yeah. like that it's been a hell of a yeah. journey for you to hear congratulations welcome so to much. cbs sports yeah. we're so proud to have you uh, we look forward to to watching morning footy as well i think you're a great addition to the team and really excited for the galazzo network thank and everything you. you're going to bring for us as well so enjoy so the show I. man thank you so much thank you for having me on great great uh chance of being on with you guys thank you to everyone in the comments can't wait all right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the House of Champions Voice. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to House of Champions. You enjoy Nigel Rio Coker, at least the top of his head, and Michael LaHood. Uh, Nigel, you, you you look like you're a little bit distracted. Uh, you're distracted uh, by that game between Porto and Inter? Mate, what a game that was. What a game. I think the best way to describe that game is... Inzaghi's soldiers stayed strong. That's the best way because Porto laid a siege on Inter Milan. And one of the players that Michael's been absolutely cursing out, Dumfries, did probably a goal line clearance to save Inter Milan. Well, credit, credit, you got to give credit both ways. I'll give credit for Porto's for performance because we big Porto up. And I thought Porto was sensational again today. Just couldn't put the ball into the back of the net. Inter Milan for their resilience. That was an absolute resilient performance. They defended with their lives. I thought they got the tactics a bit wrong in Zaghi at the start because they were playing counter-attacking football. Yeah. And you had the main man to be disruptive, Lukaku, on the bench. They were set up for Lukaku to start that, but he brought him in 70 minutes. He made an immediate impact. And I just think that uh, Inzaghi deserves a lot of credit. I think one of the big misses for me for Porto, though, was Pepe. If Pepe was playing in that game in the back line, as influential as he is mm. defensively, his experience and how he could be, he would have found a way to influence an attacking sense to make something happen to get that goal for Porto. He was a big miss. 
Mike? Yeah, I, and I, I see your Pepe and I go Octavio because you need a goal. You don't need to defend against a goal. Yes, Pepe can score on set pieces. He does score a big goal or two. But Octavio, he looked good in that first leg. When he got that red card late on in the second half, I knew that FC Porto were going to be in a bit of a quagmire of sorts, as we say here in America. But <laughs> what I like about FC Porto is they didn't panic. Their midfield three on the day because how Inter Milan were playing were, were dangerous. You have Aribe, who should have scored or thought he had a goal early on in that game. Gruhich, he was sensational for me. He's a defensive midfielder getting in the box, creating shots in the first leg, thought he had another goal. They were denied down to the play of Andre Onana. I said it in that first leg again. Onana, he did what he had to do. He made the saves he had to make, and towards the very end, he'll be kissing that post and that crossbar because oh, I thought that was the moment. We were texting in the group chat saying, oh, how has this not ended 1-0 towards Porto hey, going into extra time? How about this, guys? I wonder how much Liverpool would mind having Greenwich now still there. <laughs> mm. he, he looked good. I will say this, though, Nigel. Um, you still got to score. Right, it's it's all yeah, fine and yeah. fair enough. Saying, hey, you know what? Great saves, Onana, and I give you absolute credit. Onana was very good. Uh, some of the saves, he, he maybe yeah. there were easier saves than they looked, but I felt like, especially at the end of the games, the greatest chances in particular, you got to take those chances in these big yeah. games. Otherwise, you find yourself out of the competition, Nigel. Right? Hundred percent. I mean, when you look at how um, Inter Milan defended. When I say defending with their lives, Ian, they had everyone in their box. They had no gaps. They forced Porto to say, you're going to have to have long-distance shots. Porto was shooting through players, shooting at the edge of the box. Onana, obviously, is a good goalkeeper. He's a top goalkeeper. So yeah. it was very difficult for Porto to really create anything or to even really generate any one-on-one -on -one situations. Do they really have players that can be good in that one-on-one -on -one situation that can maybe take one or two players on and make something happen or put it into the back of the net? Mm, no. Yes, they do. So. <laughs> yes, they do. One on one situations, Mike. Not when when it's one on that. one. Who? Who, Mike? Who did, did you say? did you not see the kid Pepe when he came on, ghosting by Inter Milan defenders? When he came on, you talk about when. It, like, did you not see started. when he came? Look how look how long Inter Milan were defending for. Do you not see the Brazilian left for how long? Of course, of course, going to ghost by when you come on and how long to go in a game and you're ghosting by players who've been defending for how long. It's going to be easier when you come on as a sub to have an impact. Personally, for me, there was a player that's on the bench that I didn't even know he's gone to Porto, a young kid from Brazil called Veron. I've seen this kid play. He's an absolute beast of an animal of a kid. He's so quick. I would have brought him on. That's the decision I would have made. I would have brought Veron on because he's a striker and he's a winger. Leave him one-on-one -on -one and let him get into the box, get in the byline, push that into Milan defence, back to defend deeper, and then pull some cutbacks. Another yeah. way to create chances. But... You can't, I can't take nothing away from Inter Milan because they defended unbelievably well. I don't think you can take much away from Porto either, Nigel. I think in no, the first leg can't. and the second leg, they played a great yep. game. They just didn't yeah. finish. That's the problem, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that when I watched that game, you can't take nothing away from both sides because both of their approaches were right. They both were playing to win the game. And it might sound crazy saying that when Inter Milan defended, but at the end of the day, it's what you have to do. It's it Champions League. It's the small margins that make a difference. No one's going to say now, oh, we could say Porto is a great side, but who goes through? Everyone's talking Massive. about Inter. 
I mean, this is massive success, uh, Mike, for Italian teams. If you see, I think it enters, yeah. that's the first time they've been at this stage in the Champions League since 2011. So great success for them. But you've already got Milan through. Now you have Inter through. You possibly have uh, Napoli going through as well. This is great for Italian football. Now, I will be the first one to hold my hand up here and say that I bet a lot of the time against the Italian teams, especially these three outside of maybe Napoli, I didn't expect to see Milan going through against Tottenham. I didn't expect to see this Inter team go through against that Porto team. I didn't see it happening, but yet this is brilliant for Italian football in general. There's a bit of an Italian renaissance going on in Serie A, especially now we're seeing it in the Champions League. What I think is a big difference, over the last years, Serie A has been a one-league winning team, a one-team winning team league. I can't even say the words. One team has won the damn league is what I meant to say. Juve were dominant. Inter before that. And, you know, Milan and Inter Milan getting that rivalry back, going neck and neck, and now Napoli coming from the depths and being at the top. Now Serie A, that is the Serie A that we all grew up with. That was a Serie A in the 2000s where it was competitive. You had Milan, you had Juventus, you had yep. Inter vying for the title. A competitive Serie A will yield dividends in the Champions League. Yeah, but Nigel, I think the only team that really everyone's worried about drawing would be Napoli outside of the two Milan clubs, right? Nobody's really feeling fearing Milan or Inter, right? I don't think nobody's fearing Milan or Inter. I think that Napoli is the one that most teams would like to avoid. Napoli right now is the flavour of Europe. And I I can't see any team saying, yeah, they feel very confident to beat this Napoli side. Because when you look at this side from front to back, from the individuals that they have, from the team playing team dynamic, and also the three or four people they've got that can come off the bench and make a difference, this is what you call a team, a team dynamic. I think people will be fair in Napoli. And I also think people will be fair in Bayern Munich. Yeah, you see that comment right there from Vic, your friend? He says, uh, <laughs> Listen, why is Vic, I always give, Listen, Vic, you should know me now. I oh, give credit when man. credit is due. I have no problem. I love football and I'll always give credit when credit's due. And the credit is, in Germany now, there's only one team anyone needs to mention to me. I score Bayern Munich. Anything else? Miss me. We've got Inter and AC Milan won't get past the quarterfinals from Vic. We've got Amy jumping in and saying, my heart goes out to the Porto players. They deserved it more than Inter. Inter should be lucky and not be proud. But at the end of the day, as Nigel pointed out, it's about getting the job done. And sometimes it doesn't matter. I mean, Nigel, you had a great run in cup competitions and getting the job done is all you remember. And sometimes you can take confidence from those games. Like, it seems like, oh, maybe Inter lucky to go through that's not what's going through their mind right now in that dressing room they're in that dressing room right now saying the job is done we got through this tie we focus on the next game and we see who we get drawn in the tie and then we go from there they will be building from the confidence of actually getting to this stage of course let's be they're called professional footballers you have to be professional there's an element in certain competitions whether it's domestically or league it's one of those situations where a man's going to say we're up against it. It's going to be an intimidating atmosphere, which it was. It's going to be a difficult game, but we've got to get the job done. It's not about performances. We've got to get the job done. We marvel at Manchester City's performance earlier, how they were absolutely sensational and demolished Leipzig. Did yep. anyone see Man City in the weekend against Crystal Palace? It wasn't yep. a great performance, but you know what? They got the job done. All people talk about is, oh, they won. And you know it, and Ian, Michael knows it as well. You've come across in your career when you play top, top sides. And you know you are the better team and you deserve to win. But what happens when they beat you because they take their one chance they get? No one talks about your performance. It's they win again. And that's what yeah. I see from that interperformance. They got the job done. 
Yeah, I think the tactical setup and the reason why we saw it, look at what's happened the last two away matches for Inter Milan. They lost. Yeah. They looked miserable. They looked awful. I think that's why you saw Romelu Lukaku, though he scored at the weekend, though he looked like the only person who gave a damn in that Spezia game. Denzel Dumfries, Dumfries definitely did not look like he gave a damn. But as you said, Nige, he is the hero on the day next to Andre Onana. That's how football goes. Them's the breaks, man. Well, Michael, tell, tell tell us and tell the fans, listen, what has Dumfries done to you that you've just got to be in your bonnet about He him? took Please, the U.S. men's know. national team out of the World Cup, man. I'm still salty about that. Oh, my God. You hey, let's tell me what's going to go. Leave it alone, right? You and the U.S. entanglement. Leave it alone. The rest of the world. No, 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 no. This is, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because watching that Spezia game, Dumfries does well to bring them back into the game, back into the fold. He's been injured. He's been out of form. And then he gives up a penalty. Just very yeah. clumsy. That looks like the Denzel Dumfries of old. Not the one that was at the World Cup lighting it up with the Netherlands. I thought he was going to go off like three times today. Like he pulled up oh, with a hamstring. Yeah. As soon as you see someone grab the hamstring, you're like, oh, he's done. He's absolutely done. And then he pops back up like five minutes later, like with a, a game-saving challenge, clearing off the line. I'm like, how many hamstrings does this guy have, man? Anyway, congratulations to Inter. Congratulations to Italian soccer fans out there as well, because this is great for Italian football to see these teams going through. Porto, bravo. You, you gave a hell of an effort. Just came short at the end of the day, uh, but we applaud you for your efforts. And uh, now do your best to keep the whole of your best players uh, because we enjoyed watching you this season. Great for Portuguese football. Uh, another quick break from us. When we return, House of Champions will be turning to Wednesday's fixtures in the Champions League. Be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, make sure you don't miss a second of the action from the greatest club competition on earth. That is, of course, the Champions League. Follow the biggest stars from the world of soccer like Sadio Mane, Karim Benzema, Victor Osimhen, and Erling Haaland as they try to clinch the most prestigious prize in the beautiful game stream. Every single match from the Champions League and Europa League live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month for free using the promo code advance welcome back to house of champions as he enjoy alongside my co-host Nigel Rio Coker and Michael LaHood let's turn our attention Mike to uh, what's happening on Wednesday a couple of great games to look forward to and after today's delicious action we do have two crackers here I'm really excited to see how Liverpool perform against Real Madrid I'm excited to see if they turn up on the day or if Real Madrid can be bothered to play in this game and then Napoli against Frankfurt we believe will be a one-way trip but Frankfurt, now with a few fans in attendance, should cause a few problems to Napoli. We just don't know how much problems, especially with Napoli being at home. But I want to focus on this Real Madrid-Liverpool game first and foremost because Liverpool are obviously up against it. Real Madrid leading by five goals to two from that first leg away win. What are you expecting from this game and how the hell did Liverpool approach this game? 
I'm expecting goals in this game. Real Madrid, their back line leaks goals because of how aggressive they play in terms of the counter. They leave Vinicius Jr. He is the player I am focusing and highlighting. When he sees Liverpool on the schedule, he already knows he's going to get a goal. Last two times he's played Liverpool, I said in the preview, he scored the game winner in the Champions League. He went to Anfield and scored a freaking Golasso, turning Trent Alexander-Arnold. He has got his name just dead to rights. Trent will be seeing nightmares about him leading up to this. But Liverpool, they have a reinvigorated Mohamed Salah. If Salah can get going, I think he can get the likes of Cody Gakpo going. I'm having nightmares of what they did to my Manchester United because once Salah had that hunger back, Gakpo got the confidence and Liverpool looked like the Liverpool of old. Nigel? It's an intriguing fixture, Ian and Mike. And it really is. And I think that, like Ancelotti said in the press, he's, it's not as easy as people might think it's going to be. And he's more worried about his side than he is about Liverpool because, again, it's all about attitude. It's the yep. mentality of the players. This is football. Away goals don't count no more in this competition. If the Real Madrid players go out there with the wrong attitude, thinking the job's done and Liverpool score one or two goals, it could be a different nervous ending. So I think, for me, Ancelotti knows he has to get his Real Madrid side fired up to want to win. The one advantage I'd say that they do have is Liverpool still are not great defensively. And obviously, again, the traits of Trent Alexander-Arnold and his inconsistency on that right-hand side is showing again. And with Vinicius Jr., I'm sure that's something they'll look to expose, being at home. And I feel that um, Real Madrid will probably go for the kill. They would want to score early and they'll want to put this game to bed, to bed and not let Liverpool have any kind of belief that they've got a chance of turning this tie around. Yeah, you certainly don't want to concede that early goal, right? I mean, if uh, Liverpool do score an early goal, maybe a couple before half time, you're starting to think, wow, we got a game on here. I I've got this feeling that Jurgen Klopp is going to go for it because he's got absolutely nothing to lose. You're so far behind in this tie. If you concede that first goal, like, I mean, does it really matter? You might as well just obviously go for it, try to get two or three or four goals in this game. And we have seen Real Madrid be a little bit suspect defensively. They have conceded in the last few games at home. Don't concede a lot of goals. But I'm still waiting to see Real Madrid jump into that top gear. Let's hope we see them against Liverpool produce a great game tomorrow. Uh, let's turn to Napoli against Frankfurt. Nigel, come to you first here on Napoli because obviously your love affair, not only with uh, Kim Min Jae, but also with Napoli and what they're doing right now, should continue against Eintracht Frankfurt. Frankfurt, I watched them at the weekend, a little bit frustrated against Stuttgart, finishing a 1-1 draw. Napoli with Quaradona scoring an absolutely mm. sensational solo effort. It should be relatively easy or an easy walk in the park for Napoli, or do you think otherwise? Nothing's going to be easy. They have to get the job done. But Napoli is such a great team. And I told you, I refuse to mention any other German team apart from Bayern Munich. So, <laughs> no, I, I think, listen, Napoli at home, um, they, they know what's at stake, Ian. The belief, the energy in that city right now with not just Serie A, but what they see in this team is growing and they're just going to be behind the boys. And again, the confidence and the energy is in that dressing room. It's in those players. I'd have to say that I see it. I, I see an impossible job for Frankfurt to really get this win. But it's football, but I'm back in Napoli. I don't care. Mike, before yeah. you jump in here, we've got a comment from Vic. He's saying Frankfurt comeback and he has his oh. hand up in an emoji. Do you agree with Vic or are you against him? Vic is still riding the high of the Chelsea win. Vic, stop. No, no, we're not going there because Frankfurt don't even have their best player. Randall Kolomowani. This guy was propping, single-handedly yeah. propping up this Frankfurt team. That is why they're in the knockout stages. And when he got that 
sending off. You just knew there was no hope for Frankfurt. Frankfurt, one thing I've noticed from, in, from them in the Bundesliga and in big games, they bottle it. And I think it's the inexperience factor. I think it's a fact that a lot of your big players from last season in that Europa League winning run, Kamada, he hasn't really adapted to the Champions League this season. Very disappointed with him. Mario Götze, he hasn't really kind of stood up to be accounted for. Excellent experience in this competition. Not the same Götze of old. I see this one-way traffic for Napoli. Put them in the next round. Mike, might I remind you that this is also the Eintracht Frankfurt that got a draw away to Bayern Munich, the only club that Nigel Rio Coca will talk about in the Bundesliga. <laughs> I know Colin Wani scored in that game, but Eintracht Frankfurt can cause some problems. There's no doubt about it. They have some quality, but I think that first tie pretty much crushed them, and I don't see them having this type of comeback. Napoli have had a bit of a downer, and now I'm expecting this sort of rebound from them, and uh, the way that they're performing looks fantastic. I am a little bit concerned here, and I know they have quality sitting on the bench as well, but I am a little bit concerned that they're playing the same players week in yeah. and week out. We saw what happened to Kim at the weekend. Nigel, I don't know if you caught the game. Kim goes down with an injury, plays on, didn't go off, plays on, and then gets injured again, and he had to go off the field at the end of the day. That's a concern for me that these players all want to play right now. Now, they don't want to miss a single minute and Napoli at some point will get bit in the butt if you're not careful. You got to start rotating your squad just that little bit more. Could we see that, Nigel? Maybe Napoli rotating just a little bit? I don't think you can. You can't take the risk. This is a Champions League. It's fine margins. Yeah. We've seen with the games today and everything of what comes with this competition. You can't. But at the end of the day, Ian, as what they say, fortune favors the brave. And sometimes you have to be brave. And I think as a manager, as a coach, you have to put yourself in their shoes. You can't be rotating like that because you don't have those players. You don't have it. This is the foundation you have now. You yeah. have to go all in with what you've got now. Keep the consistency. Keep the energy levels up. You've already pretty much secured Serie A. It's just keeping them going. Because sometimes it's the worst thing to do when players are on form, playing at such a high level, high energy and enjoying their football. You take them out, say, we need to rest you. They might lose that form and take a couple of games to get back into that rhythm. And that's the wrong thing to do. So from a manager's perspective, I think he's doing everything right. He's an experienced manager as well. So it's not someone that's new to it. It's not uh, one of the you know American managers. I oh, saw him. I, uh, I, I couldn't hear you, Nigel. My uh, my earbuds cut out when you said something about. I couldn't hear the country. I saw I saw uh, Spalletti rolling up at the weekend with his uh, Copa Mundials, and I don't know if you guys saw that as well. He <laughs> rocked up on the sidelines, Copa Mundials. Uh, listen, we are going to obviously transition. I mean, that's a great transition, as producer Des has mentioned in a private chat to what's happening right now with U.S. soccer and the investigation between Burhalter and Reina families. Michael LaHood, I'm going to actually give the floor to you because you've been all across this. I mean, this is obviously not a good situation for U.S. soccer, but maybe you can explain exactly what's gone down and then also give your opinion yeah. as to where the hell do we go from here? Well, this all started back in December. I think it was around December 11th after the U.S. men's national team had finished up, got knocked out of the World Cup. Greg Berhalter had a bit of a symposium, and he told a story about a player who was a bit of a problem to the U.S. men's national team. Culture is a big thing for Berhalter and that group. And this player was outed, turned out to be Gio Reyna. And uh, the, Nigel, you talk about the suburban soccer family culture. This is that on steroids. Desperate housewives, forget those ratings. Desperate U.S. men's national team families. That's what I'm calling this one. Put it on CBS Sports. It's coming this summer. The Reyna family and the Berhalter family, they're the two royal families alongside the arenas and the, the Bradley families of soccer in America. And it's gone from bad to worse with some of the recent findings that have come out. Pretty much the, the Reynas weren't happy that their son Gio didn't get enough playing time or didn't get the role they thought he was going to get 
at the World Cup or maybe that was possibly promised ahead of time. And when you lift the hood of the car, the engine just smells more and more rotten. That's my take on it. <clears throat> you see this, boys in the hood, right? That's where some of the stars come from. Anyway, let me get into this in my point of view because I've said it before plenty of times to you guys. I'm going to say it now. I'm going to say it to all the people listening. American soccer is a bit broken. We can say, oh, we want to say this and that, but it's broken because the reality of it is soccer in America is a suburb sport. You're the only nation that has the terminology soccer mums. Soccer mums doesn't exist anywhere else around the world but America. I've been here, lived there, seen it with myself, got friends who are involved in the coaching here, got American ex-US internationals that I'm very close with and friends with. It's a suburb sport. That's the problem that America has. There's so much talent being missed in this country because it's a play, pay-to-play system. It's pay-to-play. I've seen players who are talented but can't afford to play. And yeah. they don't they go missing because the kid whose mum and dad has got money, where the coach knows this kid has not got no chance of ever making it, but because mum and dad put money into the club, we can pay this, then the director of the club says that kid has to play because his mum and dad pay more money than the kid who's actually got talent. That is the American broken system. And that's what's going to continue to happen until the mentality and the things change in this country. And when you've got these suburb kids playing, they're so used to getting everything that they want. So this is why I am not surprised about this whole US soccer entanglement. I'm not surprised at all. It's what mm. I expected. It's what I know is going to continue to happen because that's the mentality. And there's a, such an arrogance with some of these American coaches as well, not because they actually want to see kids develop, but it's because of this badge of honor. Oh, I'm in US soccer. I've got a job. They yeah. know nothing about the game. It's not about teaching these kids what's needed, what you need to do at the highest level. American suburb baby soccer players that are produced are competing with players who played barefoot, who come from such difficult backgrounds, difficult upbringings, where soccer is more than just a sport to them. It's a way of life, and they have to go through so much, which builds characters. How are you going to build characters in suburb baby kids when they can't stand up for themselves and mom and dad are putting out dirt on other people because their kid's not being picked. So I'm not surprised. This is what US soccer is about at the moment. It's a broken system. And that's it. Golf clap, golf clap, everyone. Yeah, golf clap yeah, for Nigel yeah. Real Coker right there. Absolutely well said there. Don't need to say any more really after what Nigel just said, except for this. Uh, I want to get your opinion on this one, Mike. What happens now with Gio? Does he get involved in the national team? There's a roster coming up. I think you can't leave him out. <laughs> He's playing at a high level. You can't. I, I wouldn't leave him out. You you can, Michael, but I don't think Mike, I don't think they do. Okay. I don't think they. I don't think they leave and, him out. And this is my point because we had an argument about this, right? When he had yeah. his opportunity against Chelsea, and I said about he was disinterested, and I said, "You look at Alfonso Davis playing against Paris Saint Germain, and the, how he took the game by the scruff of the neck." As we say, there was no fear in that kid. He's like, "I'm going to let everyone know." Why can't Gio do that? He's had opportunities. Why is he not going out there and stop acting like the world of football owes him something and go and show the talent that he has? There's so many other young players out there who are grabbing opportunities and showing the world and not being shy. But one thing is this, though, Mike. How many US soccer players have come to defend, it, to defend Gio? How many of his international colleagues have defended him publicly? Why, why does he need defending, though, Gio? Mm -hmm. He's already apologized. If, 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 the manager, if what the manager yeah. is saying isn't true... 
surely one or two of your teammates will come no, out. I don't think Gio's saying that it's not yeah. true. Gio's not saying it's not true. He's already publicly come out and apologized, what? Nigel, and said, listen, I was yeah. an asshole in the locker room. I apologize for my bad behavior. I'm young. I'm stupid. I just wanted to play football. I don't blame him for that. Can't imagine there was a oh, Nigel but- Rio Coker who was young coming up through the game <laughs> that was happy to be sitting on the bench all the time. That doesn't work. Come on. It doesn't work, but at the end of the day, still, you know yourself, in in dressing room, you're going to have friends, and you know if someone's getting too much heat, that you would say, yeah. you know what, he's a poly- like someone will back him or just say, you know what, let's lay off him. But none of his international colleagues have, to, to my knowledge. This is this is an yep. in-family no, situation, though. This is an in-family situation. This is something that his parents are getting involved in a way, and I think you're hitting on that with the suburban culture thing. This is between his family and the Burhalter family. Giorena, <laughs> look, we can talk about the on-the-field stuff with the body language stuff. That is one thing. To say, what's Giorena going to do? Go publicly and shame his parents? This stays in the family. It should have never left the family circle. This is something his parents did. His parents brought this on him in a situation where the kid, and I, this is where I, I stand up for him a little bit, where after this whole initial debacle, the kid was on the bench scoring goals in game after game after game. And then lost a bit of form. So that tells me there's a bit of a response and a bit of a spark there, but there needs to be more. Uh, Mike, real quickly, before I do, and I need to go here, um, but before we do, who comes out worse here? Is it Gio Reyna? Is it Claudia Reyna? Is it Danielle oh, Reyna? Or is it Burhalter? Like, who's the one who looks the worst here? Uh, especially after this investigation. I have my opinion. Mike, uh, who's Mike, yours? Yeah. Uh, it, I would put Gio last of all in that because he can still do the talking on the pitch. He still has a lifeline. I think Claudio and Danielle, I think just the more stuff that keeps coming out in this, the worse it just gets. I mean, just the recent findings. And I'd be hard pressed to say that this is hurting Claudio more than anyone. U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer. Already icon. You know, the the more you know him personally already has hurt him. Yeah, it's not good. Mike. Uh, I love Vic's comment. We don't want to mess up your Thanksgiving dinner with the Rainers, so you're a bit treading on water there, a bit nervous. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll tell you oh, who looks man. worse. US soccer looks the worst. Forget all those people, like we've just discussed there. That is what happens in US soccer, in, in soccer in America. US soccer looks worse for having these people involved in US soccer because, again, it becomes an old boys club it's an entanglement instead of hiring the right people with the right ideas and right ambition to make U.S. soccer respected globally around the world and forgetting about self-interest. That's the problem. Let me just tell you, Nigel, that U.S. soccer have recently appointed a new CEO, if I'm not mistaken, and he is doing a wonderful job getting rid of a lot of these controversial people right now. So expect sometime in the near future for that all to change. However, I will leave you all with this one. Will Greg Berhalter get his job back or the job that he has? Will he maintain? Mike, real quickly, just tell me yes or no. Um, I say no. Nigel? You can't take him back now of all of this now. You have to move on. It's, it's too messy. You remember TMZ? Burhalter's got his job back. Here he is. Hey, everybody out there, thank you so much for jumping in the chats. Uh, we appreciate you. Nigel, Mike, great stuff as always. Big thank you to Alexis Guerreros as well. Make sure you check out Morning Footy with him on the Galazzo Network, which is starting April 11th. Um, but continue to follow what we're doing here at House of Champions. Uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening to House of Champions. Take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast, also available as video. So subscribe to 
does on YouTube as well. We will be back again, uh, post the game on uh, Wednesday. So make sure you join us uh, for more House of Champions. And then we'll be having uh, a very special show early on Friday morning as we find out the draw and who gets whom. Really looking forward to it. Mike, Nigel, appreciate you. Everybody out there in the chats, we appreciate you all. Thank you so much, especially Amy, who is uh, saying that Geo looks horrible. That doesn't sound good. Vic, shout out to you. Cheers, everybody. See you tomorrow.